Well, the title of today's message is Sowing in Tears, Sowing in Tears. And this is a message that has been stirring in my heart for the last few months. I really felt the Lord stirring it in my heart. And I asked him the other day, Lord, this message, why do you want me to share it? And I heard him say, I want to comfort and I want to encourage my people. So I pray that this word will indeed comfort and encourage each one of you. We are living in a difficult time in history. There are all kinds of trials and pressures that we face each day. And last week when our president mentioned the level two regulations, I wondered in my heart how many people would be negatively impacted by these changes. I even had a thought of, I wonder how many people's jobs could be jeopardized by that decision. And I just took a moment and I said, Lord, won't you please just have mercy over your people? As pastors, we are very aware of how the challenges of the pandemic have magnified other difficulties that people are experiencing in their lives. Uh, for those who are experiencing health challenges, chronic health, or sometimes even life-threatening health issues, it's like the pandemic has, has aggravated that situation. And for those who uh, have been going through difficult times financially, it's like the pandemic has made it even harder or struggles in their business. And sometimes even in relationships, people have been struggling in a greater way because of some of the consequences and implications of the pandemic. So just spouses with one another or parents and children. And uh, we just realize how much grace we need at a time like this. Yet during the storms of life, uh, we can look to Jesus because he, in his infinite goodness and his love for us, he gives us his word and he gives us his Holy Spirit inside of us to help us. Uh, over the last few weeks, I found myself journaling quite a lot more because there would be situations that I'd be holding and I'd say, Lord, through your word, show me, show me, how, how, do, how does this situation be resolved according to your word? And Holy Spirit, guide me. What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me in my innermost being around this situation? And uh, I'm so grateful that God gives us his word and that he gives us his Holy Spirit and that we have help and we have counsel and we can gain wisdom no matter what we are facing. But Jesus' own life, his own life, when you just look at his life, is a wonderful example of how to live a kingdom life even in the most difficult of times because when Jesus walked on earth, it was tough. The Roman Empire was ruling over Israel and over large parts of the world. They were very ruthless. It was a hard time. It was a carnal kingdom. And yet Jesus came into that. And not only the Roman Empire, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders were persecuting him. And it wasn't easy for Jesus to live and to minister and to extend God's kingdom in that time. But what I'd like to ask you to do is to just turn to Psalm 126. And uh, we're gonna read a passage of scripture. Uh, later on in the service, I'm gonna read the whole psalm. But just for now, I'm gonna be focusing on the last two verses, verses five and verse six. I'm reading from the New International Version. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with them. I'm gonna read it again. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. 
those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Sowing in tears. What emotions does this sentence evoke when you hear it? Sowing in tears. If you picture a farmer, and uh, maybe in your mind's eye, you can even picture a farmer with a farm, and uh, this farmer is destitute. There's been drought in the land, and he's overwhelmed with trials and discouragement. But he takes his bag of seed, he slings it over his shoulder, and he walks out into his field, and he sows seed as the tears flow down his cheeks. But he continues to sow the seed, and he sows seed throughout his whole field. And then the Lord sends rain, and then the Lord makes the seed grow. And then the Lord produces a harvest beyond what was sown. And the farmer goes out and he harvests the crop and he comes back home with sheaves under his arms when with a song of joy in his heart. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Now we can well imagine this picture playing out in our mind's eye when we think of it in the natural. Because God has a way of restoring I'm sure that many of us have got testimonies in our lives where we were over here, down and out, and then the Lord came and he picked us up and he restored us and he blessed us again. Times where we were in tears and we didn't know what to do, and yet we continued to sow faithfully to the kingdom seed that God had put us in, in our heart, and then a harvest came again and there was restoration. We can see it in the natural. But I wanna take a moment just to look at the spiritual and to talk about how Jesus sowed seed in tears and how he reaped with songs of joy. So my first point is that Jesus sowed in tears. Jesus sowed in tears. And if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke 19, verse 41 to 42, and we read the following. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it, and he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. I believe that the tears flowed as he watched over the city and as he realized what had happened. Because Jesus wept over Jerusalem because the religious leaders had rejected their Messiah. They had rejected the king. Jesus was there in their midst, God with them, and they didn't believe in him. In John 1, verse 10 to 11, we read, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And Jesus wept over Jerusalem. There's another passage of scripture that just speaks about Jesus having sorrow in his heart. And it's found in Matthew 26, verse 36 to 39. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, 
My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Incredible just to ponder on this moment in Jesus' life, this moment of despair, this moment of sorrow, this moment of agony. And uh, he was in exceedingly sorrowful. That's what the word says. You know, Jesus knew that he was destined to be crucified. He knew what was going to take place within a few days' time. He understood throughout his life, he understood that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And he knew that it was his blood that was going to be shed to atone for the sins of mankind. He knew that he was the Lamb of God. And here in this moment, we just see him facing the full extent of what he was going to do to redeem our lives. And the agony and the sorrow was heavy on his heart. The tears that Jesus shed over Jerusalem were real. The anguish and sorrow he experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was real. It's just like us in our lives. You know, we can know that God loves us. We can know that we're born again. We can know that God has a beautiful plan and a purpose for our lives. We can walk in it. But there are moments where we experience tears. There's moments where we are sorrowful. There are moments where we go through times of grief and our tears are real. In the last 10 days of Jesus' life, there are a number of things that take place and it shows us of how Jesus sowed in tears even in the midst of this incredible burden that he was holding, the sorrow that he was walking in. So in the last 10 days of his life, Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. Can you remember the story? Bartimaeus shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Jesus, it's a week before he knows he's going to be crucified. He's passing through, heading towards Jerusalem, but he stops and he gives Bartimaeus time and he restores his sight. Jesus sows in tears. It was in the last 10 days of his life that Jesus cleansed the temple. So he restored the temple to be a house of prayer while he was holding tears and sorrow in his heart. He continued to teach about his kingdom during this week before he died. In that last week, he told the parable of the tenants. He told the parable about the wedding banquet. He taught the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. We all know that about always being ready, always being ready. He, he spoke that parable in this time and he told the parable of the sheep and the goats. So he kept on talking about the kingdom. He sowed seeds. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. What he was doing was he was saying, guys, live for the kingdom. Don't get caught up in the matters and the affairs and the things and the trials of this earth. Lift up your eyes. There's a kingdom that we are living for. During this time, Jesus also taught about the signs of Ed of the age. Now, the end of the age hasn't come. So he taught his disciples, knowing that this would be recorded for our benefit. He said, in the end of the age, the following things, they're gonna happen. 
So during this time of sorrow, during this time where he's holding all of this, he's saying, guys, don't be caught out. At the end of the age, these are the things to look for. Be ready, be ready, be ready. It was during this last week that he prayed an earnest prayer for himself, for his disciples, and for us. You can find that prayer in John 17. It's a phenomenal prayer. If you are sitting here and you're thinking, Lord, what have you got to say for me? What is your heart for me? Just turn to John 17, look for it where it says, Jesus prays for all believers. That's his heartbeat for each one of us. That's what he prayed for. He prayed that we'd be strong. He prayed that we'd stand. He prayed that he'd protection against the enemy. He prayed for unity. He prayed that we would be in the Father. He took time in this difficult week to sow seeds of prayer in this time. And then during this last week, he also had a Passover meal with his disciples. And I don't think that that meal was rushed. I think Jesus made time and he lingered with them. I believe that they spoke and shared and were just together over a meal. And it was at that meal where he broke the bread and he took of the cup and he told them that this bread is my body. This cup is my blood of the new covenant. Do you know that even on the cross, Jesus sowed seeds in tears. He sowed seeds in, of kindness to his mother and to the disciple of his, uh, that he loved. Uh, in John 19, we read about it in verse 26 and 27. He says to his mother, he says, here is your son. And then he looks at his disciple, and he says, here is your mother. So he looked after his mother, and he looked after his disciple, uh, even while he is on the cross. And uh, Jesus, uh, we, we read in his word how after that, the disciple took Mary home with her, and she lived with him. You know, on the cross, Jesus also sowed seeds of forgiveness. And forgiveness seeds are very beautiful seeds to sow. Very beautiful seeds. And uh, so here he is on the cross. He's being crucified and he says, Father, please forgive these people because they don't know what they are doing. Can you imagine? Jesus sowed forgiveness in his darkest hour. And uh, there was even one of the thieves on the cross. There were two thieves, we know about that. And one of them was penitent. He was heartfelt. He was aware that he was being punished justly. And we read about this in Luke 23. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus teaches us how in the midst of pain and suffering to sow in tears. And as we reflect with the benefit of hindsight, we know that he reaped with songs of joy because throughout the centuries, millions and millions and millions of people have got saved, born again, and have had a relationship with the Father because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So the first point is that Jesus sowed in tears. He knew about sorrow and anguish, and yet in the midst of that, he kept his eyes on the kingdom and on his Father, and he ministered to those around him. My second point is that Jesus sees our tears. Jesus sees our tears. I want you to picture a scene in your mind, and if you'd like to, you can even close your eyes 
and just have a picture come as I share. I want you to picture Mary Magdalene going to the tomb early on the Sunday morning to anoint the Lord's body. And it is still dark when she arrives, but as her eyes get accustomed to the dim light, she sees that the stone has been rolled away and she discovers that the Lord's body is not there. So she runs to tell Peter and John and they race to the tomb and when they get there, they go inside and see the burial cloths folded and no sign of Jesus. And then the Bible says that Peter and John went home, but Mary stayed at the tomb and she cries. In John 20, verse 10 to 16, we read, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Can you see she's still crying? These tears are flowing. Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. So we have a beautiful picture here of Mary weeping in her grief and Jesus seeing her tears. Over the past few weeks, I've been very aware of how so many people have tears very close to the surface. Person after person that I meet with, as they share their story, tears, tears begin to well up in their eyes. People are holding so much. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who sees. I'm sure many of you can agree with that, that oh, thank the Lord that we have a God who's relational, a God who sees, we can weep, we don't have to pretend, we don't have to put a mask on, God sees. A God who notices our pool of tears. He knows what we are going through. The Bible says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Can I encourage you guys just to say that after me? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Let's do it again. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Amen, amen. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Can you remember how in the book of Genesis, God saw Hagar and her son as they wept in the wilderness? So Abraham and Sarah had told Hagar and Ishmael they need to go, and they had wandered in the wilderness, and they'd run out of water, and Hagar just looked at the situation, and she realized this is the end. But she couldn't, she couldn't bear to see her son die. So she put him down, and she moved a little part away, and she sat down, and this is what we read about in Genesis 21, verse 16 to 17. As she sat there nearby and began to sob, God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. So I just wanna remind anyone who may be thinking, Lord, are you even hearing my tears? Are you even aware what I'm going through? The Lord is aware of your tears. He knows what you're going through. He hears your cry and he's saying, don't be afraid. 
Can you remember how God saw the trials of the Israelites when they were in slavery in Egypt? We read about it in Exodus chapter two, verse 23 to 25. It says, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and they cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. I love that line. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I'm like, how much more so will God remember his covenant with us? Because the covenant that we're in has been sealed with the blood of Jesus. It's a, it's a, it's a greater covenant. And uh, it says, so God looked on the Israelites and he was concerned about them. There's such a fatherly tone to that sentence. So God looked on the Israelites and he was concerned about them. God saw the Israelites' tears when they were in captivity in Babylon. So when they were taken off into Babylon in slavery, and we read about it in Psalm 137 verse one, it says, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion. So you can just picture these Israelites on the rivers of Babylon, and they're weeping as they remember their homeland, as they remember Israel, as they remember Jerusalem, and they weep. And it says that the captors said to them, come on, sing some of those songs from your homeland. Sing some of those Lord's songs. And they said to them, their words back were, how can we sing the Lord's songs in a strange land? That is how deep in their grief and their sadness they were. For me, it's really comforting to know that the Lord sees our tears, that he knows what we are going through, and that he responds to his children when we cry out for help. We can pray, we can ask him, he will hear. So the third point that I'd like to share with you is that Jesus has given us a bag of seed. Jesus has given us a bag of seed. Despite our circumstances, Jesus has given us a bag of seed to sow because he knows that sowing seed precedes a harvest. And he knows that it is the harvest that brings forth joy and renews songs to our heart. So I'm gonna read the whole of Psalm 126 this time. It's only got six verses, but I'm gonna read all six verses from the New International Version. So listen to this. Listen to the joy in this psalm. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. I think that's a beautiful verse. It's a beautiful prayer. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Now, Psalm 126 is a psalm of ascent. There are 15 psalms of ascent, so Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 are the 15 psalms of ascent. And these psalms were sung by worshipers as they ascended the road to Jerusalem to attend the different Jewish festivals. These are the psalms that they would sing. And uh, we don't know who wrote Psalm 126, but it is likely to have been written to celebrate the exile's return from captivity in Babylon. 
Now, I just want us to focus in on verse six, the last verse there. It says the following. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So despite our tears, despite whatever trial we may be facing, the Lord has given us a bag of seed. Now, I want you to picture the front door of your home. So you're standing inside your home. You picture as if you're about to walk out your front door. So I want to get a, you to get a visual of your front door. And I want you to picture a leather bag over the doorknob or the door handle. And that bag is filled with seed. Okay, that bag is filled with seed. God has given you a bag of seed. And like the farmer that I referred to earlier in the service, if you go out into your fields, into your family, into your friendship circles, into your workplaces, into your community, and you take your bag of seed with you, and you sow the seed, those seeds of love and seeds of kindness and seeds of generosity and seeds of forgiveness, then the Lord will do the rest. He is the one who waters things and makes them grow. He produces the harvest, and we get to sing songs of joy. Do you believe that you have been given a bag of seed? Do you believe that? Well, if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10, we read about it. It says, now most often it's read in the context of financial, but I believe God's seed that he gives us is not only our finances, but our time, our spiritual giftings, many other ways that we have seed to sow. We read this. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I love this. So God gives us bread to eat. So he provides for our need, and then he gives us seed to sow. Now this seed is not to eat. We, we eat our bread, and then we sow our seed. And uh, God says that he will actually even increase our store of seed. And I believe that we should have hearts which are expectant to have even more seed than ever before to sow during this time. I mentioned earlier how Jesus in the week before he died sowed some incredible seed, some kingdom seed. And I believe that if we spend time with the Lord and if we are attentive to the Holy Spirit's leading and we, we consciously pick up that bag of seed and we go out into our days really intentionally sowing seed, um, I believe that a great harvest awaits us. Jesus sowed seeds of prayer. I spoke about that. And we have prayer seed to sow. We can pray over our children. Children, you can pray over your parents. Pray for them. We can pray over our friends. We can pray over family members. We can pray for people who are sick. We can stand in the gap for them. We can allow intercession seeds to be spread. Jesus sowed seeds of kindness. I mentioned about how he just looked at his mother and he looked at the disciple he loved and he made sure that they had companionship. But we've also got seeds of kindness that we can sow. You know, just a smile can make someone's day. The other day I went to the shop and you could see that the teller was really tired and I greeted her and she didn't even take note of it. And then I stopped and I said, greeted her again and she took note and I was just warm and, and she just opened up. Her whole face just opened up. 
And I was wondering how many people had just passed her without really acknowledging who she was. But it's not just a smile, it's a word of encouragement. Um, sometimes a thoughtful gift can be really special in sowing a seed of kindness. Um, maybe we might even need to help one or two people financially if we've got means. And during this time, we just say, Lord, we're gonna sow this. We're gonna sow this in faith, knowing that it will produce a harvest. Uh, and even just making someone a meal. Now, in terms of forgiveness, we know that Jesus sowed seeds of forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And to that thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. But perhaps someone here or one or two of you have been hurt recently by someone. And uh, deep down your heart is hurting and uh, you just know, oh, this is painful. And maybe today is just an opportunity where you could sow seeds of forgiveness. Really, as we break bread today, just sow seeds of forgiveness. Just forgive them and, and release the offense. Yes, it might take some time for the hurt to be healed, but one step of sowing those seeds of forgiveness, believing that a harvest of healing and, and restoration will come. We also have seed to sow in terms of our spiritual giftings, and uh, if you have the gift of prophecy, uh, I encourage you to take that bag of seed and to take that prophetic gifting and to sow seeds of encouragement, to speak hope, to speak life, to speak into people's um, hearts, to ask God for words, to ask God for pictures, to speak them over people. If you have the gift of faith, it's actually a really wonderful gift, especially at this time, because we have found that um, many people are actually genuinely struggling with a real, real, um, with fear. They, in a very real way, they're afraid. And you know, just take someone who's got real godly faith, the gift of faith, to come to that person and says, can I pray for you? The fear lifts. So if you've got the gift of faith, sow those seeds. If you've got a shepherding gift, you love to care for people, you love to, 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 to help people and to encourage people, then I wanna encourage you to really look out for people who are lonely, uh, people who need a phone call, uh, people who need a visit, need a cup of coffee. Uh, and for those with a shepherding gift, I even wanna encourage you to consider leading a life group of your own. We need far more life groups given that we can't um, have many people in the services with us. So I wanna end with two final scriptures. The first one is Galatians 6 verse nine to 10. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And then to close with our key text, Psalm 126 verse six. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna move into communion. Oh, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that in faith we can believe that this word has fallen on fertile soil. Lord God, I thank you that uh, you, by your spirit, are busy comforting people who have been shedding tears. I thank you, Lord, that even now we can ask that you will just come alongside those people and put your arms around them and that they will just be able to be safe with you and knowing that you see their tears 
and that you are close to the brokenhearted. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your example to us of how you sowed seed even in the most grueling week of your life. But Lord, you were just so focused on teaching and loving and healing and caring. And we we just honor you and we thank you, Jesus, for giving us an example of how to sow seed in our tears. And then, Lord Jesus, we wanna thank you for the bag of seed that you've given us. Thank you that you've said that you will increase our seed and increase the harvest of our righteousness. So, Lord, I just pray even now by your Spirit that you will just put seeds of righteousness in us and seeds of peace and seeds of joy and that wherever we go, Lord God, we will be able to scatter these seed, believing that you, Lord God, will cause them to grow. You will water them, Lord God, and that there will be a harvest that will result in songs of joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.